What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing this morning? Let's try that one more time. Good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? There we go. A little bit more excitement. Uh, my name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, or my, Dar- my wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us this morning, we just want to say welcome. We're so glad you're joining us. And I want to give you just real quick some information, whether you're visiting or whether you've been coming for a while and just saying, hey, how do I get from my seat to my feet? Uh, growth track step Two happens today, right after service. Growth Track is our assimilation process where we say, hey, look, come, learn about the church, learn about you, which is what today's about, learning about you and what God, uh, the gifts God's given you. You're going to hear us say at this church all the time, you're here on purpose because you have a purpose. And so we know God's given you a unique gift. If you were visiting and you pulled on campus, you saw people in the parking lot, you saw people at the door, you might have given your kid off to a V Kids team member, you might have uh, gone through in the process of being brought down by one of our auditorium hosts or whatever it might be from worship to production. There's a reason God has given you the gifts he's given you and that's to be able to use them to glorify the kingdom of God and to move people into a relationship with Jesus. Amen. So if that's you, you're interested, right after church, you'll see signs. Go check out Grow Check. 30, 35 minutes, you'll be out the door, and we will watch your kids for you while you go. All right? So if you're smart, you'll go and then sneak out a back door, and then we'll have to babysit your kids all week. No? Okay. Apparently that's illegal. So anyway, you, you should go and check that out. Uh, let me real quick, before we get into the Word, talk about what Pastor Brian was talking about with trunk or treat. We ran into kind of some unforeseen issues with some school scheduling, and so uh, we, we're not able to do it on the 20th, the night, that Saturday night, and that, that was an issue, but I'm actually really, really excited because the more I thought about it, the more I think this is going to give us more bang for our buck. And let me explain. If you were here last week, we talked about the trunk or treat we do has one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to bring people onto this campus who may not know Jesus so that we can build a relationship with them and that they can come here and learn about Jesus. And so that's what it's about. It's about you. It's a, it's a it's a it's a hook for you to be able to get friends and family here. We'll give kids all the candy they can eat, and we'll send them off happy. We're gonna have food now that it's on Sunday, so you don't have to worry about trying to go get lunch. It's gonna be a great opportunity for you to invite your friends. So next Sunday we'll put invites in your hands. Next Saturday we'll be doing door hangers around our neighborhood. And now we'll get, those of you that are doing trunks, we'll get with you on how that's going to work with Sunday morning responsibilities. But I'm actually really excited about the move. I don't know why I didn't think about it in the beginning, but the Lord said, hey, this is what I want you to do now. Shut up and do it. So that's how it works. All right, cool. Y'all good with that? You excited? You ready for trunk or treat? Yeah? All right, here we go. Okay, how about this? You ready for the word of God? There we go. All right. If you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 17. So in the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke. John, Matthew, if you didn't bring your Bibles, you certainly can pull out your phone. The notes to the sermon will be on our app. And then, of course, the, the actual scriptures that I speak from, majority of them will be on the screen behind me so you can follow along. We encourage you to take notes. I'll say a lot of things that you'll want to go home and think about and chew on. And, uh, I always encourage you, if I say something, go home and, uh, and apply it to the Word and make sure that you see it for yourself in Scripture. Don't just believe me. And so we just believe in taking notes Matthew chapter 17, we're going to look at two verses today, 19 and 20, but before you get there, let me explain. We begin a brand new series called From Here to There, and I believe that we all have a here, and I believe that we all have a there. So let me explain. Our marriage might be here, or our finances are here, or our dreams and our aspirations are here. The relationship with our children is here. Um, Our job is here. We all have a here that we really want to be there, right? 
My, my marriage is here, but I wish it was there. My, my parenting situation with my kids is here, but I wish it was there. My dream is here, but I wish it was there. My finances are here, but I wish it was there. And so we're walking through the process that says, uh, can we believe God for the impossible? Can, can we believe God that we can move from here to there, right? Can, do we believe God for our marriage, for our finances, for our kids, for our dream? Do we believe God for the impossible, and then will we Ask it in faith. I, I actually think faith is one of the most missed out characteristics of Christianity. If you were here with us in the beginning of our launch, you remember a series called Greater Things. And I believe it's my responsibility as your pastor a couple times a year as much as I can to, to bring faith back in front of you. Because here's the deal. Faith is one of the key components to our relationship with God. And it's probably the biggest foundation that moves us into our God-sized potential and purpose for our lives. Faith is important. But a lot of times we turn our head to it. We ignore it. We don't talk about it. We say it, right? We'll say faith, but we don't really believe it. And I read a question in a book one time. And, and I wanted to present that question to you because it challenged me in my faith and it made me want to believe the impossible from God. And here's the question. Are you willing, are you willing to let your life slip by without seeing God show himself mightily on your behalf? When I'm believing for Victory Church, we talked last week at uh, our Vision Sunday that we are eight months old and all that we want to do, 32,000 people in our zip code who claim to not have faith. And we're believing that all 32,000 of them are going to be sitting in Victory Church. And I know that's crazy faith, but I'm at a point where I don't want my life to slip by. I don't want to be comfortable. I don't want to just have a 9 to 5 and go home and cook some hot dogs and, you know, watch NCIS and go to bed or whatever people do. I don't know how that works. But I don't want my life to slip by without God moving mightily on my behalf. Isn't it funny how so many Christians act like Bible characters were in the past? As if God doesn't move then, even though Scripture says he is the God both yesterday, today, and forever. So all the miracles that we read about, all the things that we talked about on felt boards in Sunday school, those things are able to happen in our lives. And how dare us allow our life to slip by without God moving mightily on our behalf. Amen? So Matthew chapter 17, verse 19, a scenario happens. This father has a son who's demon-possessed. And he ends up, keeps hurting himself, and so he brings him to the disciples to find healing, to be set free from this demon possession, per se. And the disciples can't do it. They can't help him. Nothing happens. So the father then takes his son and goes to Jesus and says, hey, your disciples couldn't do nothing, right? And then Jesus heals him. And then an interaction happens that's going to be literally the foundation for the next eight weeks in this series. I want to show you it, and it's in verse 19 and 20. It says, then the disciples came to Jesus in private, like, yo, hey, Jesus. You know, nobody wants to come out and be like, hey, we're not good at this, right? Hey, Jesus, 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 come here for a second. Uh, can I ask you a question? Um, why couldn't we drive it out? You've been talking and preaching about how we're walking in, you know, we're the same and we're following you and we can do what you do and all this kind of stuff. But how come we couldn't drive out the demon? Because you kind of made us look like fools. You know what I mean? Is it all about us not doing so that people will go to you? Why, why, why couldn't we do it? Jesus says, because you have little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible 
for you. So Jesus, the very first thing he does is he um, communicates towards their faith. Here's the deal, your faith. He, he acknowledges their faith. It's, it's just too small. It's too small. But then what I love about it is he immediately, right after he says that, he immediately lays out, watch this, the potential of their faith. He says, look, your, your, your faith is too small. However, immediately, instead of just bank, you know, you're just talking bad about you nonstop, nonstop, I'm going to show you the potential of your faith. That even though it's as small as a mustard seed that you could speak to the biggest mountain. Theologians say that the mountain he pointed at when he said this mountain was the largest mountain in Israel, that the smallest, small as a mustard seed could speak to that big mountain, the biggest mountain in Israel, and it could move. The potential of your faith. Listen to me, church. The potential of our faith is established when our audaciousness meets God's greatness, okay? When our expectation meets God's orientation, Put it like this. When our ask meets his ability. See what I mean? And so throughout this series, I want to do two things. One, I want to remind you of your faith potential. And then I want to inspire you to believe and ask God for the impossible. It's going to be a great eight weeks. First, before we can do anything, before we can start processing, how do I know if it's the will of God or if it's just something I'm wanting to do? How do I, you know, what's the process? How do I get through the process? How do I pray? Before we get to any of that, we have to lay a little bit of foundation. And here's the number one thing you have to understand. Everyone has faith. Everyone. It's not, well, these people go to church all the time, so they have faith. No, Everyone has faith. When you leave and you go to eat lunch, your waitress or waiter, they have faith. The person who miscooked your food in the back, they have faith, all right? The person who is in the bathroom while you're trying to use the bathroom, they have faith. Everybody has faith. Everyone has faith. Romans 12, 3, Paul said this, God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. We all have faith. I believe we have faith as children. Think about it. What else would allow you to go get a dirty towel from the bathroom swing it around your head, tie it on your neck, and all of a sudden you think you're a superhero, right? It had to be faith. That'd be the only thing. Well, what would make you think that you could just, if you, know, you have small kids, you know this, that you can just jump off of any height, right? If you have small kids, they don't have any, they're just like, hey, daddy, look, woo, and especially if you're at the swimming pool, y'all been there? If you don't have faith, then explain to me a three-year-old who's this tall who thinks she can wrestle her dad and when she is convinced that she can whoop me, right? There's just faith in us, and I'm kind of starting to think she can. There's just, I've tried to tell her, I say, look, wrestling don't mean kicking. You can't kick me in the face. That's not wrestling. That's cheating. And, and, and so we, we have this faith, but listen to me. Life has a way of pushing that faith down, pushing it way down, and then piling doubt and fear and failure on top of it. And I always hear people say, I lost faith. You never lost faith. You don't lose faith. It's not your keys, okay? You don't lose faith. You just need a moment that will call it up out of you, okay? It's in you, but the life in which we live often doesn't call out our faith. And so it's there. We didn't lose it, but we need a moment that calls it out. Any of y'all ever uh, attempted to eat raw oysters? Anybody ever tried to attempt it? This, this is something I never wanted to do because it looks like someone had to, like, really sneeze and couldn't find a napkin. 
And so they got a shell and sneezed in the shell. Like, there's nothing appetizing about a raw oyster. But when I was 16 years old, my dad took me to Florida, and he said, you're going to eat a raw oyster. We were driving down there with my dad and his friend named Greg. Greg plays a big part in this story, so pay attention. So we're driving down, and Greg says, Troy, you're going to eat. I'm 16 years old. He says, you're going to eat an oyster when we get down here. I said, I'm not eating an oyster. All right, I just, it doesn't work that way. And he goes, yeah, and so we get down, we get to this party they're doing one night, and they have the, all the oysters, and they're shucked open, and the whole process, and Greg calls me over, and here's what they're doing. They're taking the oyster, and they're putting it on a saltine cracker, and then, <laughs> then they take some hot sauce, and they put some hot sauce on it, you know? You're going to have these at Trunk or Treat, and... Um, and then you eat the whole, you can't bite into it because then it would be like all sliding down. You know, you, know, you have to eat the whole thing. And so here's what Greg told me. He said, I'll give you $20 if you eat this oyster. Look, I was 16 years old. $20 was a lot of money. I'm 34 years old and $20 is still a lot of money, all right? And so I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I grabbed the oyster. I ate it. It was horrible. Sucked it down, the whole deal. And so then he said this. He said, I right, tell you what, I'll give you another $20 if you'll just eat it out of the shell. And I was like, so I asked him, I said, how do you, how do you eat it out of a shell? Y'all know? Yep. Oh, the, the, the noise, you just, the slurp. I, I think people who eat oysters are the same people who were in school with you who picked their nose and ate. Out, you know what I mean? That's what I think it is. Like, you just, you, you've been looking your whole life trying to find, okay. And so I said, all right, fine, I'll do it. So I took the oyster and I ate it. It was horrible. I'll never do it again. And so we ended up going to the beach and doing our thing in Florida. Now we're headed back home, all right? Now, before I get into this point, let me explain something to you. That's something I would have never done. I would never voluntarily eat an oyster. But because I was put in a situation and the $40 forced it out of me, you know what I mean? I was willing to do something that I normally wouldn't do. And this is kind of what I mean by faith is that there's, it's deep inside of us, but we just need to be put in a place that kind of calls it out of us. But what's interesting about this story, and this is why Greg plays such a big part, is we're driving back to, I lived in Memphis at the time, we're driving back to Memphis from Florida, and I'm the kind of kid, or I was the kid, that um, the moment we got in the car, I went to sleep. And I didn't wake up till we got home. Anybody have kids like that when you travel? You know what I mean? You just drive by yourself, got toothpicks holding your eyelids open while you're trying to get home. And so I just slept the whole way. The only time I would wake up is when we did what? Stop at the bathroom, right? Stop at the gas station. So we stopped at the gas station, and I opened up, and I you know, opened up my eyes, and I looked, and I was in the back of the truck. My dad was in the store getting something, and Greg's out there pumping gas. And so I kind of rolled the window down, and I'm like, Greg, where are we? You know, how, how much longer do I need to sleep? And he tells me, and here's what he said. He said, hey, uh, Troy, thank you. Well, you're welcome, Greg. Glad I could impact your life. <laughs> 16, inspiring people at 16, you know what I mean? Uh, I didn't say any of that. I said, why are you thanking me? He said, well, on the way here, while you were asleep, you volunteered to spend your $40 on gas. So I just wanted you to know how much I hate Greg, just so you could know that, okay? <laughs> so you know that, just because so, I, I never did get the money. But, again, it's understanding that faith is in you but a moment pulls it out. The, the most iconic stories in the Bible, the ones that you played with on felt boards, right? Peter walking on water. Everybody remember that. That's famous, right? Uh, David fighting Goliath. We use that more than any Bible story throughout our normal life. Uh, Moses split in the Red Sea. All these iconic moments in the Bible. It wasn't so much that these people had great faith. It's just they were put in situations that called out of them great faith. You've got Peter in a boat. And you got stormy water, and Jesus is out there, but he's walking on water. And he wants to be with Jesus. So the place that he's in, the moment, the situation that he's in, is calling 
without faith from him. When David, he's got his whole family, whole community surrounding him, and he's looking right in the eyes of a giant who is prepared to rip him limb from limb. And that moment, that experience is calling faith out of him. Moses, he's got the Red Sea on one side. He's got the army on the other. He's stuck between a rock and a hard place. And that situation calls faith out of him. You see what I mean? The handicap we have as Christians today is all of our prayers are wrapped around us praying for a life of comfort, certainty, and complacency. God, get me out of this situation and get me back to a life of comfort and get me back to a life of certainty and get me back to a life of complacency and consistency. And listen to me, comfort, consistency, complacency, none of those things call out faith. And so when we pray ourselves into that, we are ultimately praying ourselves out of faith because it's discomfort that calls out faith. Let yourself get uncomfortable. You'll start believing It's uncertainty that calls out faith. It's inconsistency that calls out faith. If we aren't putting ourselves in a situation that's forcing us to believe God for the impossible, then we are probably sleeping through the best parts of our Christian life. Please let that sink in. We're young, church. Here's what I mean by that. We ain't dead yet. And we're operating in the faith that God gave us And if we're not putting ourselves purposely in a place that calls forth faith, we are sleeping through the best parts of our Christian life. I'll tell you the thing that 32,000 people saved in this community faster than anything would be a group of people who have ridiculous faith. I thought it was interesting that Jesus is having this conversation with the disciples, and he does two things. First, he acknowledges that their faith is small, right? So I, I, I got a little... Seed in here. It's a Nike bag. I like to endorse. Just kidding. It just came with the shoes. Don't worry. Uh, and so, you know, he gets this little, he gets this little seed. So, so you're not going to be able to see it. Don't worry. Um, so the first thing he tells them is, you know, your faith is too small, right? That's interesting. So it's kind of like a measurement of faith. But then he turns around and says, which they were very familiar with what a mustard seed was around that time. Most of them are farmers and different things. And he goes, but with faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains, and I thought that was so interesting that, that, like, Jesus, what are you doing here? Why would you tell them their faith is too small and then illustrate small faith, right? Because I, maybe I'm dumb, but I would have been like, Jesus, how small is my faith then? If it's too small, but faith small as a mustard seed moves mountain, how small is my faith? And so I begin to wonder, why, why would Jesus start establishing a measurement of faith? Why would he do that? And then I started studying the potential of a mustard seed. Did you know, first of all, did you know you get mustard from mustard seeds? You know that? Okay, just a little bit of biology class. Here we go. You take a leaf off the tree, you make mustard burgers. There we go. Um, But the potential in a mustard seed, very interestingly enough, a tree can grow up to 20 feet tall and 20 feet wide. Think about that. You can't see it, but let me, it's, I, uh, Oh, Lord. Good thing I brought a bunch more. Okay, so it's so small, yet the potential of it is 20 feet tall and 20 feet wide. All of a sudden, I realized Jesus was not trying to establish a measurement of faith. He was trying to show the disciples the potential of faith. He was saying, look, in this, 
this could happen because they were very aware of what's inside a mustard seed. And he was, he was trying to establish their potential of faith. Listen to me. Whether you have been a Christian a long time or whether you are just now walking into church for the first time, the faith you have has the potential to move the biggest mountain. See, I believe as Christians, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So I think the more that we're in church, the bigger our faith should be. That's how I feel. Because the more we hear the word of God, our faith should be bigger. But here's what I love about this concept to people who are new believers, is it doesn't matter if this is the first time you've ever heard a Bible verse in your life. The faith you already have is big enough to move the biggest mountain in your life. Wow. So this faith thing doesn't disqualify anybody. We have turned faith now into an adjective, right? Are, are you walking, you know, are, are you a man of faith and all these kinds? Of, and so people begin to wonder, well, is that me? Listen, everyone has faith. And the potential of the faith that's in you, it has the potential to move mountains. But here's the question. How do I activate it? If it's in me, deep down, how do I, let me try to put that in, how do I activate it? What's the process into getting it out from down here and putting it into motion? How, how does that work? How do I put myself in a scenario like Peter, like Moses, like David, where it's called out from me? Well, let's go back to the scripture. What does Jesus say? Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. I thought this was such a silly response. Could, could you imagine like, like, couldn't we just start a little bit smaller, right? Could we have said you could say to that rock, move? Or couldn't we say you could say to your wife, move, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, just kidding. Um, or you could tell your kids, go to bed, and they will go to bed. You know what I mean? Like, we could have a faith situation. He went straight to the mountain. And I'm realizing Jesus was trying to explain something to us, and it was this. Listen to me. And I have to say this real carefully. You're going to hear it wrong. Our faith is activated, watch this, by a big ask. Our faith is activated by a big ask. Don't, don't hear me wrong. We'll be on Twitter, 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 whatever it is. We'll be on all, quick, quickly. I'll be all over Snapchat and Instagram and whatever they are. It's a, activated by a big ask. Think about it. Peter is in the boat, and he asks Jesus, if it's you, tell me to what? Come. If it's you, tell me to come. He had a big ask. If it's you, tell me to get out of this boat. And get on water. Ask me to come, and I'll come. David walks into a battlefield where his whole family is chicken, walks up to one of the soldiers, and here's what he says. Can I ask you a question? What am I going to get if I kill the giant? Think about that. What am I going to get if I kill the giant? It was a big ask. There's a moment where Moses is in between the Red Sea <coughs> and the army, and he begins to cry out to God. And God says, why are you crying out to me? Just put up the staff. It's an ask. Hear me. We, are, we activate our faith when we have the audacity to ask God for the impossible. Y'all didn't get that. I have to say it again. We activate our faith when we have the audacity to ask God for the impossible. When is the last time? Okay, here's my question for you. When is the last time? that you asked God for something so audacious that you were guaranteed to fail unless God showed up? When's the last time that you asked God for something so audacious, so crazy, that if he doesn't show up, you're going to fail? 
There's this new term going around right now. I don't know if y'all have heard it. It's called shoot your shot. Y'all heard that? People say it, shoot your shot. If you look it up in the Urban Dictionary, here's the definition. That you set aside your pride and pursue something that you may not succeed at. That's the definition. Here's how it's being used by culture today. It normally is being used when a young man is trying to holler at a girl who's outside of his level. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, boy, shoot your shot. You know what I'm saying? Look, when I look around this, a lot of you guys shot your shot. You know what I'm saying? Look, y'all married way up. I know how it is. When I saw Darla, I shot my shot. I said, hey, what you going to do? Worst you can do is say no, right? You just got to shoot your shot. And, and I love that concept. I think that's how we should operate with faith. I think we should just shoot our shot. What happens if you miss? I don't know how God's going to heal your marriage. Shoot your shot, right? I don't know how God's going to all of a sudden supernaturally help your finances, but shoot your shot. I don't know how God's going to give you the dreams in your heart in a world that keeps telling you it's not going to happen, but shoot your shot. Like, just try. Shoot your shot. Hear me. Fear is not the enemy of your preposterous prayer. Pride is. You're too prideful to pray it. And so it's stopping you from experiencing it. Put the pride aside and ask. Shoot your shot. What if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't? Move on. Ask something else. Keep on asking, but shoot your shot. We're so consumed with our pride. Watch this. I love this. We think that our part in this faith process is bigger than it really is. Let me explain. So I was watching this uh, documentary a while back on Michael Jordan. Y'all familiar with him? Basketball player? Okay. Uh, Look like this. Yeah, okay. So um, he did a documentary, and they were talking about a particular game where they were interviewing one of his teammates. They played for Chicago Bulls at this point, and they're asking one of his teammates about this game. They just had a breakout game. They won by a lot of points. Jordan had a great game. The interviewer is interviewing this player. He's, he was like, I don't know, he was on the bench of the team. And she's talking about the game. Here's what he said. I love this. He said, I will always remember tonight as the game where Michael Jordan and I combined to score 70 points. And he laughed, and the interviewer laughed, and I know you don't really understand it, but here was the point. That night, Michael Jordan had scored 69 points himself in that game. This fella had scored one. But hey, he was right. Him and Michael Jordan had combined to score 70 points, right? This is how we have to view faith with God. Your responsibility isn't as big as you think it is. All you have to do is ask. The Bible says he is the author and the finisher of our faith, which means he puts it in you, he stirs it up, and he calls it out of you, and when you ask, he handles the process. Here's what I love about God. If you ask for a miracle, you don't have to do anything else. There's no performance you have to go through. You just have to wait and see, and I'm going to talk more about the process in a couple weeks, but all you have to do is shoot your shot. All you have to do is ask. He's the finisher. He's the author. You just have to score one point. He'll score 69. You just score one. Your one point is the ask. But when it happens, it never fails. You get to stand in front of so many people and say, I'll never forget the moment that me and God combined and this happened. And you're right. Even though all you did was ask. Peter, all he did was ask. David, all he did was ask. God did all of the miraculous work. But, and here's where I really wanted to address with today's message, the foundational opening message of the series. 
let's talk about the elephant in the room. Because I don't know about you, but I'll just tell you about me. Every time I begin to pray a preposterous prayer, my mind starts reminding me of why it won't work. Well, I know I want to see 32,000 people come to church and get saved, but how do I tell? How do we afford that? It, it won't work. Did you ever think it was interesting that Jesus said that and no disciple spoke to a mountain? You think there'd be one guy, right? I mean, we we all know that guy, that guy who does. He's just awkward, you know what I mean? Like he, he's just that guy that after Jesus would have said, "If you just, if you just had the faith of a mustard seed and you speak to that mountain, say move and it would move," and then Jesus moves on. He's like, move. you know, just just attempting to see. Like I just thought it was interesting that nobody tried it, and nobody tried it because listen, let's be honest. How embarrassing is it if you do it? And don't move. How embarrassing is it to go, <laughs> okay, uh, move, mountain. All right, let's go get some food. Good? All right, let's go. What if I ask for healing and the cancer spreads? What if I ask for financial help and the finances get tighter? What if I ask for my marriage to be restored and it fails? It baffles me how sometimes God shows up in a dramatic fashion and sometimes he seems absent. Is it just me? Sometimes I feel like God shows up in other people's lives in dramatic fashions, but he's absent in my prayer. I tell you a couple of stories. Before we moved here, I was, well, before I was the executive pastor in Memphis, I was the youth pastor. And I've always been a big dreamer and a big believer in just the gospel and the message and those kind of things. And so I put together some strategic events in our youth group to grow our youth group. Youth group was about 160 kids or so, and we wanted to really see it grow. So I'll give you a couple of stories. One was really funny. We planned an event called Fall Rush. People were praying for it. It was crazy. We were believing for 1,000 young people to come. Okay? I had spent thousands of dollars on inflatables and food and brought in a friend of mine who raps, and it was just a big old deal, and I could not wait. And then Wednesday night before the event, I had students in circles. They were praying for their school. They were believing. We had gotten sunglasses with the words of our youth group. The name was Fusion. We got Fusion across the lens of the sunglasses and, like, invites, and they were handing the, the glasses out, inviting people. I was so excited. I couldn't wait. And so the, the next Wednesday night when the first night of the event came, we got there, and we were praying. We had a prayer room above our youth building, and we were praying. We were believing. That night, guys, that night, we had less people than we've ever had. Normally had 160. We had a little over 100 people that night. I was expecting thousands. Just didn't happen. One time, got real creative. And I wanted, I, I, it was a little thing called Because Everyone Matters. And I wanted our youth group to get to 250 people. So here's what I came up with. I'll lose 25 pounds if you can get the youth group to 250 people. Sounds genius, right? Neither one happened. <laughs> Neither one. Give you another story that's a little bit more uh, personal. Um, one of my buddies who was kind of on the leadership team of the church, he came to me one day. He said, we had a young man in our youth group named Paul who was bound to a wheelchair. And this buddy came to me. He said, man, I've been praying. This, I knew this brother. He was a man of faith. He prayed every day. Uh, we did a mentorship class together. I, you know, I, I trusted him. And he said, uh, I think God spoke to me. We're going we're gonna to pray, and Paul's going to walk tonight. I said, all right, who am I? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's do it. 
So we did service and service was over and there was a time of prayer and we kind of moved in that direction, not from the microphone, but we just moved in that direction individually. Before you know it, 40, 50 kids were gathered around Paul. They were praying, they were believing. About an hour later, we're still in there praying. Some kids have left and gone home. Parents are back there. Some are believing God. Some are angry as all get out, right? Can we go home? I'd like to get some Chick-fil-A. And so, um, you know, we're just back there. We're praying, praying. And after like an hour and a half, Paul left that youth group in his wheelchair. Still in his wheelchair today. And so that's just three examples, y'all, of preposterous prayers and audacious moments that I've believed for. And they just didn't happen. And so when I start believing for it again, my mind starts telling me, remember, 25 and 250 didn't happen. You gained 25 pounds. Remember, fall rush didn't didn't happen. My mind begins to play that. And what ends up happening is I go, how is there any, how can I see any potential in this seed when all of the other seeds were bad? If I'm asking you to believe for your marriage, how can I see potential in this prayer when every other prayer didn't happen? Right? I'm going to pray for my finances. I'm going to believe. I got a dream in my heart. I'm going to believe. My kid is lost. I'm going to pray for them. I'm believing. I'm believing. I'm believing. But every other time I believe it didn't happen. So how are you going to tell me to put any faith in this? And this is where it was, y'all. This is, this is, I was like, all right, Lord, I got, I got all my sermon prep up to this point, And I had nothing after that because I'm in the same boat you're in. But it's my responsibility to get up and cast vision, right? And so I said, God, you've got to help me. You've got to help me, because before I can ever encourage them, you gotta encourage me. You gotta tell me how I pray a preposterous prayer when there's been times where it just didn't happen. And he's so faithful, church. And he said to me, he said, in the way he speaks to me in my heart. He said, the potential of the seed isn't really in the seed. It's in what you put the seed in. Because you can put the seed in good soil or you can put the seed in bad soil. And so the way I took that was the potential of my faith determines on what I put my faith in. So obviously we know we put our faith in God. Right? Let's go all the way back to what we begin to say in the faith that's in you, the potential. It doesn't come out until you put it in God. But I needed more than that. Here's what I felt the Lord tell me most people put their faith in God's answers. My faith is in what God says, it's in His answers. Here's the problem with God's answers is we don't know God's answers. Sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says yes. If you listen to the prophet Garth Brooks, he would say, sometimes God's unanswered prayers, I don't know how to sing the song, but you get the point. But this is what happens. And the only reason why we wouldn't continue to pray audacious prayers with audacious faith is because we didn't like his past answers. And when you put your faith in his answers, there's going to come a point where you'll quit asking. And so I said, well, God, pretending like I'm going to catch that. What am I putting my faith in? And God told me, in his abilities. 
You're not putting your faith in his answer. You're putting your faith in his ability. Because I don't know his answer, but I know his ability. His answer may be yes, or his answer may be no, but I know he has the ability. And so when I know he has the ability, why wouldn't I shoot my shot? The only reason why we wouldn't ask is because our faith is in his answer. The moment our faith moves out of his answer and into his ability, why would we not ask? You got a family member who's far away from God, why wouldn't you ask? Your finances aren't doing too, why wouldn't you ask? You got a dream in your heart, why wouldn't you ask? Your marriage is done, why wouldn't you ask? Why wouldn't you? Well, what if it does? Well, are you putting it in his answers or in his abilities? So, what's his ability? If I'm going to put it in his abilities, what are his abilities? Jesus is so slick. I've told you ever since we planned this church, he's a gangster with a capital G, right? He puts it in this verse. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, if you have faith, the small faith, the potential of faith is in this mustard seed. If you just have this faith, you can speak, you can ask, you can speak to that mountain to move, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. We have been so desensitized that we read that and we don't receive it. Nothing will be impossible for you. I believe every one of us are in a here and God wants to move us to a there. And through this series, we're going to learn how to do that. But it's going to start with your audacious faith to ask to begin with. Everybody stand with me for a moment. Do me a favor, close your eyes for just one second. I want you to be able to focus in all your senses. And I'm going to ask you this question. Don't think about anything else. Clear your mind. Don't think about Let me ask you this question. You're not going to give me your answer out loud. I'll tell you what you're going to do with your answer. But right now, just hear the question and answer it in your mind. If nothing was impossible, if nothing was impossible, right? Get in your mind. If nothing was impossible, what would you pray for? If nothing was impossible, what would you pray for? Some of you believing for a family. Some of you believing for your marriage. Believing for your family. Some for your job. Some finances. Your presence is an open door. Come on, begin to process it. What would it be? Come what would it be? Lord, like never before. 
us throughout this series, we're going to believe that God's going to take us from here to there. But you've got to know what your here is. So right now, grasp it. Whatever that is, begin to speak it out of your own mouth. God, I believe. I'm believing right now, Lord, that you would heal my marriage. I'm believing right now that you would open up my womb. God, I'm believing right now you'd restore our finances. God, I'm believing you would bring my child back to faith in you, Jesus. I'm praying for healing in bodies. I'm praying, God, for the dream and the aspiration that you put on my heart. Come on, come on, begin to move.